I'm Rena Nainen, and this is Ask Lisa, the Psychology of Parenting podcast. It's a podcast to help parents better understand their kids. Dr. Lisa Demore, a psychologist with three decades of experience and the author of three New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. Both of us are moms ourselves, and we're eager to hear from you. So send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And you can join our community by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. The handle is Ask Lisa Podcast. And also subscribe to our brand new YouTube channel, Ask Lisa Podcast. Episode 156, is there a gentle way to drop a friend? So I love that I've now gotten to a point where I can learn to say no more. And part of that is people I don't want to hang out with. I'm just not doing it. Does that seem mean? Does that seem like a really no, mean thing? No, I think it's actually um, one of the beauties of middle age. <laughs> That's you, it. Get, you get to where you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. That's it. Um, yeah. Nobody talks yeah. about that. I mean, about that middle age, sort of, you realize who your friends are and who you want to hang out and what you want to do and don't want to do. And your time is precious. And, yes. And yeah, no, I, I think um, I, I also felt, Rena, I don't know if you had this experience. Having kids, you know, which I did when I was in my 30s, like that made it easier for me to start protecting my time in a way that I had not before. You know, before I had kids, I was like, basically my time belongs to anybody who asks. And yeah. and then, you know, having kids helped me to prioritize what, a great what I did and didn't want to do a bit more. Yeah, that's so true. Um, you know, on, on topics that I wish that I had learned about in high school, finance. I wish I'd taken yes. some sort of finance course that made me look at financial, the, you know, my finances differently. Um, and the other thing was about dealing with friends because I feel like no one ever tells you how to navigate that. It can be so tricky. When we looked in our inbox, we found this letter that we've actually never done before. It's from a 14-year-old. In the UK. I know. Isn't this kind of cool? Yeah, um, it's awesome. We it's always awesome. do letters from parents. We've never done a letter from a kid, but this one really stood out. Let me read it to you and you'll see why. Dear Dr. Damore, I'm a 14-year-old schoolgirl in the UK and I would really like advice on how to leave a perfectly nice person who's in my friendship group, but none of us are friends with her, without making her feel really sad and friendless. I've realized that this isn't just a problem within my friendship group, but many other groups I have have tag-along friends that they aren't friends with who just follow them around. I really don't want to be mean or come across as rude if I'm upfront with her about the fact that none of us want her to be in our friend group. But on the other hand, we're trying really carefully to push her away and she isn't getting the message. I suspect this is because she has no other friends at school. Another way to describe this is I still want to be friendly with this person, but not friends. It also makes it complicated to plan things like birthdays or sleepovers because we don't like discussing it at school because we don't want the people who aren't coming to feel left out. We're nice to them because we feel sorry for them and we don't want to hurt their feelings or have them feel uncared for. This problem seems to exist everywhere. If you have any ideas on how to solve this, it would be really fantastic. Many thanks. Oh my God, how awesome was that note? I love it. Awesome, awesome. Welcome to the fourteen-year-old, Rena. Fourteen-year-olds are the greatest. I mean, they're all the greatest. But fourteen-year-old has always been one of my drop-dead favorite ages. Why? Because well, okay, you get this kind of broad-minded, decent, philosophical, see things from forty perspectives, like write to some random podcaster in the U.S. <laughs> for guidance. I love it. Wisdom, right? Okay, but then the other thing that's so cool, and it's not in this letter, is that this same kid, you know, 
she and her friends will soon be in a contest to see how many saltines they can stuff in their mouth simultaneously. <laughs> right? I mean, like 14 is when they are totally fantastic, brilliant, sophisticated thinkers. And still there's like a lot of kid in them. And it just, it's always been like, I just, I just love 14. Mm. Um, I've never heard you like your eyes glitter and glow over talking oh, about an age group ever like this. Oh, they are so fantastic. And, you know, they get better and better and better and better. And like all ages have their upsides, but 14 has a magic to it around this level of wow in terms of how they think. And yet, a playfulness that um, that does die down a little bit as they age. Because I'm kind of surprised that we got a letter like this and she's 14. I, I, you can kind of feel her spirit in it, but like yeah. really? At 14? At 14. But I will say probably not at 13, right? So mm. one of the things that's true at 13 is kids are pretty concrete. They don't see things from the other person's perspective all that well. And so, you know, this is a very uniquely, I mean, this is obviously a really terrific and interesting and deeply thoughtful kid. But I got to tell you, Rena, this does not strike me as unusual for the level of thinking I see in 14-year-olds. Wow. Yeah. Um, and and what a deep – like I, I just love that she and her friends don't want to hurt the other person in the groups, but they just – you know, they want to be able to do things without reservation. Yeah. So I love that we've got this thoughtful letter from this 14-year-old. But do you think maybe that she should actually be more direct with this tag-along friend? I know it's going to be painful, but – is, should we be teaching our kids just be direct and be honest what, versus she's focusing really on, I don't want to damage this poor yeah. person, you know? So she's, right, she's sort of stuck between, you know, her awareness that that would be enormously painful if they were sort of to like lay it out, you know, like we don't want to be friends with you anymore. And so one of the things I hear, and it's not in the letter, but I, I you're articulating it and I hear, is that sometimes kids will feel like, well, you've got to be honest. Or sometimes the language that will come up is authentic, right? You have to tell them how you really feel. Um, and Rena, I think in general, you don't really have to tell people all the time how you really feel, right? I mean, that, that, mm. that there's times where it may be well-meaning and it may not, it may not come from a harmful place. But there's not a lot of upside to it. And, and I think this is one of those times because if we really think through what that looks like, like what are they going to do? Like they're going to say to her, listen, you know, we don't like you like we used to and we don't want to include you like we used to, right? Mm -hmm. Like so that's what they would say at the nicest. Now, they are still going to go to school with this child. They are still going to be in lunch periods with this child. They are going to be assigned to lab groups with this child there's going to be ongoing contact and interaction no matter what they do. And I think one thing that's in the letter that's very observant, right, is that this kid doesn't sound like she has other friends at school. These are nice kids. Are they going to really ice her and say, you can't sit with us at lunch when they know she doesn't have anybody else to hang out with? So what I what I want to say to the letter writer is, I think that what you're doing, as unsatisfying as it is, right, this kid is tagging along. She's still, you know, wanting to be part of what you're doing. It's a tension you're going to have to live in for a little while of being kind to her at school, making sure she has someone to sit with. It's not like they don't, like, it's not, it doesn't sound like she's toxic or problematic, right? Mm -hmm. And when you're outside of school, spending time with the kids you really want to spend time with. I think sometimes we have to ask kids to sit in that tension. 
Wow. And no one said that that to, like that. I mean, I I just there's a part of me that just says, "Oh, just be honest and then you guys can all move on and it's all clean." And but you're like, "It's not clean because it's you're going to be clean. interacting." Yeah. Um and there's no way and she is so aware. I love this 14-year-old girl is so aware that if she does that, it's going to be painful for that girl. Yeah. And one of the things that comes up in girl world, which I know pretty well, is this pressure to be authentic. And like, I'm not being, you know, I'm being two-faced is sometimes what you'll hear. If I'm nice to her, but don't want to include her on the weekends. And I would say, I think we need to disabuse our kids of the idea idea that this is two-faced. I think we're going to call it polite. And I think, Mina, like, honestly, we all do this as adults. Like, (laughs) you and I have worked in settings with lots of other employees, some of whom make us bananas, right? When they walk into the coffee room, we're not like, I won't speak to you because I don't find you pleasant, right? Like Mm. we're like, hey, how's your family, right? I mean, like we keep it polite. We don't ask them over. We don't hang out with them outside of work. Mm -hmm. But there is value, I think, in replacing this idea of wholesale authenticity, which has its time and place, with the idea that everybody gets to have a front stage and a backstage. The front stage is what we show people. The backstage is the fullness of our thoughts and feelings. And not everybody has to be aware of everything happening on the backstage. And this is not two-faced. This is how all functioning adults navigate the world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a good point. This concept of polite distance. I want to ask you a little bit more about this on the other side of the break. And also, I want to ask you about the parents as well. We'll be right back. You're listening to Ask Lisa, The Psychology of Parenting. Did you know that most bedding is made with harsh chemicals like formaldehyde, synthetic pesticides, and toxic dyes? Luckily, one company is changing this standard for good. Bolin Branch Sheets, which you know I love, uses the rarest 100% organic cotton that's traceable from family farm to your family home. I have had my Bolin Branch Sheets for a while now, and I love them. They feel like butter. In fact, I am so used to them now that when I travel, as I often do for work, I take my bowl and branch pillowcase with me and I put it on the pillow in the hotel room so I can enjoy that softness, at least on my face, even when I'm not sleeping in my own bed. Sleep better at night with the softest sheets from Bowl and Branch. Get 15% off your first order when you use the promo code ASKLISA at bowlandbranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. Promo code ASKLISA. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I love doing laundry now because of EarthBreeze. EarthBreeze are these eco sheets that look just like a dryer sheet, but it's ultra concentrated, liquidless, so you don't have that drippy goo from plastic jugs. EarthBreeze is really tough on stains, even odors. And if you've got teens, you know about those odors. Dermatologist tested, hypoallergenic, and also free of bleach, dyes, and parabens. Fragrance-free option is also there for anyone who wants it. So what EarthBreeze did was they got rid of the unnecessary chemicals for a formula that's kind to sensitive skin of all ages, and that includes babies. And I love that I just order online and the shipment comes right to my door when I need it. So right now, our listeners at Ask Lisa can receive 40% off of EarthBreeze. That's right, 40% off just by going to earthbreeze.com slash AskLisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash AskLisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and get your 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash 
Ask Lisa. Welcome back to Ask Lisa, the psychology of parenting. We're talking about this fabulous letter that for change, it didn't come from parent. It came from a 14-year-old kid in the UK. We love this and we love our global listeners. They just the most amazing. It just makes me feel how connected we are when we get these letters from all over all different over countries, you yeah. know, and and how people are all struggling with the same thing no matter where you live. Um, but this is such a great topic and also for adults to know because I'm, I'm learning so much from you, but this concept of what I want to call polite distance almost, right? Um, that you've got to keep at arm's length, but you were saying you've got to kind of still live in that sort of discomfort. Talk to me about why that's so important about learning about polite distance. Well, I think, you know, one of the things that can be true, maybe especially with teenagers, is this urgency of like, I must resolve this. Like, I must resolve this. Like, we don't want to be friends with her anymore. She's a tag along. We're not the only kids dealing with this. Like, what's the solution? And I think, um, you know, one of the things in middle age, right, is you also realize, like, stuff sometimes stays murky and that there will be an interval here where, I mean, the best case scenario, and I'm not saying it's perfect, but the best case scenario is they make sure the girl still has someone to sit with during the day. They are kind enough to her. But they do not have to include her. I mean, I think that's an important thing. Like, I'm not saying they have to include her on the weekends and they have to have her be part of stuff that feels, you know, intimate and special and is not happening at school. And one of the things that is on everybody's side here is the developmental moment they're all in. So 14, you know, in the U.S. is ninth grade. It's the start of high school. So it's, you know, these are kids who are moving into a different school level. And what is described in this letter is incredibly common, right? Where Friendships that worked well in the middle school, groups that hung out well in the middle school, interests change, things shift. The kids you hung out with in middle school, you don't want to hang out with all of them in high school. Like there's nothing strange about this. It's painful, mm -hmm. but not strange. And usually what happens is 15 comes along and kids start to find other interests and find the kids in those groups who have the same interests. So this is a now problem. It's not a forever problem. And I think. What I would say to this fantastic kid, and if it were my kid, is you got to conduct yourself in a way that you're going to feel good about when you look back on this in five years. Ooh, that is a great saying. Yeah. That is a great saying. How will you in five years feel about how you handled this today? Mm. Wow, that could be so relevant for a child or an adult. <laughs> so. Well, and even that kind of stretching things out over time. Yeah. The five years... Like it's good to help teenagers think about a long stretch of time because by nature of being an adolescent, the moment feels so consuming. Mm. What else do you think she should be thinking about at this point? Well, I just want to give her props for how she's saying we can't talk about sleepovers. We can't talk about weekend plans at school because of these kids. You can't. And I would just say as a general rule, one thing we should all say to all of our children all the time is do not talk about your social plans at school, unless every single kid who's involved in those social plans is sitting right there. But with social media, Lisa, the reality is people are posting, they're sharing, it comes up. It's just not so easy. It's not so easy. For it not to get back to that person. Totally. Okay. So there's two rules. So one is don't talk about it. And it's more, I would say it, if kids who are not included are sitting right there. And then the other is don't post about it. Like, mm. don't post about it. Like, or, you know, kids have private stories. Like, post about it to the kids who are there and nobody else. And what is so interesting mm. is, and I hear about this all the time clinically, right? Like, 
I was hearing over the holidays um, from a kid I care for that they had secret Santa groups going on at school. And the kid I was talking to was in a secret Santa group, like had a collection, but happened to be sitting at a table with kids who were talking about their secret Santa group. And it still hurt their feelings, right? So I think- You can't avoid it is what you're saying. It just happens. Mm -hmm. It happens, but we can remind kids, you know, that even if- it doesn't seem like a big deal to you. Like you know that kid has other friends or you know that kid is already part of something over the weekend. It still feels lousy. Mm-hmm. And if you can avoid talking about your plans in front of people who are not included in those plans, do it. And same to social media. So what do you do if you're the parent of the kid who's getting the cold shoulder, who's the odd man out or odd woman out in this case? How do you respond? I think... Your kid is in pain and you know it. And your kid is calling and asking, what are we doing this weekend? And they're getting, you know, hey, we're busy, right? Or something like that. I think that the role of the adult here is to help them start to come to terms with what is happening. And the reason this is really hard is that for the kid, the tag-along kid, we'll call, as, as this young person did, they're getting mixed signals. During the day, they're mm-hmm. getting friendliness and politeness, which I will still stand by as the way to go. But they can sometimes be slow then to realize that on the weekends or after school, those same people don't make themselves available. And so I think this is the place where a loving adult says, you know, I wonder if the kids that you used to hang out on with on the weekends are going to become school day friends and we need to find you other kids to hang out with on the weekends. And to start to help them um, recognize that they're going to need a backup system for the outside of school time. Wow. So you can approach your kid and say, these are your Monday through Friday friends. Let's find another group of friends to hang out with. How do you make that happen, though, at 14 or 15, right? It's a different time period. It is a different time period. So the good thing about 14, 15 is suddenly there's a whole lot more activities that are available to kids, especially at school. So it's things like the school play and, you know, volunteer groups and service activities and, um, you know, jobs, you know, that depending on where you live are the kind of, you know, rules around kids' ages, like kids can have jobs and often at jobs, they meet other really neat kids. So helping your kid be busy, helping, we've talked about it before, putting your kid in traffic patterns where they could run into the new friendship group or the new one friend. They don't need a whole group. They need one friend. Um, This is something we need to take some initiative on. And I think sometimes we have to just acknowledge straight up, I hear, I know you're getting mixed signals from these kids. So what's your advice for that parent, Lisa, when you're having that conversation and you're sensing that they're not reading the signals? which in this 14-year-old letter writer from the UK says, she's not getting the message that we just don't really want to hang out with her. Yeah. I think if the parent can actually point to a time in their own life when that happened, that can be really helpful. Um, I would say as a general rule, the words that kids hate the most are, when I was a teenager, <laughs> like yeah. any sentence that starts like that yeah. is pretty much a dead sentence. Yeah. But there are times where a parent can say, you know what? I had a great friendship group in the middle school, and then they moved on, and it took me a little while to find my people. And that can help, again, with perspective, right? I mean, I think this is really about perspective, that this is not the end of the world, that that parent seems to have survived. Um, And that can be really useful at that time. Um, So I think that that's something that can happen. The other thing that can happen, and I think either the parent of the the tag-along kid 
or even Rena, this letter writer, could reach out at school for help. And again, you got to know your school, you got to know who to trust in your school. But I would say to this letter writer, if it's feeling like it's frustrating, consider if there is a wonderful coach or a wonderful teacher or a wonderful advisor, and you go to that person and you say, listen, things are shifting. We don't want to hang out with her on the weekends all the time. We don't want to hurt her feelings. We're not going to make a big thing of it. Is there anything you, the adults in the school, can do to help her find some new traffic patterns, change who she's sitting with, get her with kids who seem like a good fit? Again, I've spent a lot of time in schools. They often, there's, I call it sort of the invisible hand of social engineering that can happen in schools where they're watching the kids all day. They, they can be like, mm. you know who would be a good fit for that kid, this other kid? They'll be in a lab group, right? So oh. it's not going to work in every school, in every context, but it's definitely something that either the parent of the tag-along kid or the wonderful letter writer could consider activating to try to bring in some, you know, more reinforcements for this kid who's getting left behind. Wow. That is adulting. I mean, that is yes. just really <laughs> not something I see a 14-year-old doing. But I get it now because you're right. Teachers really know. They sense, they see, they're around these groups way more than the parents are. But you think if there is a trusted teacher or coach or somebody you could go to who's really cool, if that 14-year-old can be like, look, there's nothing. Is there any other new groups you could – and it's probably easy for the science teacher to put them in a new lab group or the course teacher to put them in a right? – Absolutely, right? Or for the you know coach to go up to the kid and be like, hey, have you ever thought about joining X club, right? Like that, those kinds of things. And you know, Rena, one of my favorite things I ever learned as a clinician, it came from this brilliant, brilliant clinician I adore named Nancy McWilliams. And she was talking about how like, you don't need massive overhauls for things to get better. And the analogy she used is if, um, if a ship leaving port adjusts its trajectory by two degrees, in 100 miles, it's going to hit a different continent. And so I think sometimes when we have these situations that feel so frustrating and so dire and like sitting in attention for a little, you know, longer than we want, I think to remember, you know, if this kid finds one other kid at school who she enjoys and can be helped sometimes maybe to find that kid, and then half the time of spending lunch with that kid, it already starts to feel better for everybody. And then it can kind of grow and grow in that direction. So this is again, like as I'm, I'm talking myself into my own advice, this is again why I don't think you need to like, you know, here's the conversation, we're not friends with you anymore. Like it's like a 90 degree turn on a ship. You don't need a 90 degree turn on a ship. Mm -hmm. Two degrees, give it a little space, see what happens. Um, things can change over time. You know, it's funny because that is so powerful, but also you kind of think sometimes parents can be the worst offenders when it comes to sleepovers, sort of blowing it and telling other parents or saying something. How do you prevent yourself as a parent? Because especially if your child is the one who's been iced out and, and it might not be anything horrible or, or you know, mean-spirited, these things happen, right? Friendships come and go sometimes at this age. But what's your advice to parents who... Um, I mean, if that's my kid, I'm just like, oh my God, you just freak out, right? What yeah. do you say to them? Absolutely, right? I mean, you can, as parents, get pulled into these things in all sorts of ways. So of course, yeah. you feel really bad, you know, and especially, you know, we did a podcast on this about, you know, sometimes you're friends with the parents of the kids who are icing right. your kid, right? I mean, yes. and that's enormously painful. Um, what I would say is everything unfolding in this letter is unbelievably typical, unbelievably normal. 
And what I think we need to say to ourselves as parents, and we can also say to our kids, is just because a friendship isn't good forever doesn't mean it was never good. But we all have chapters in our life. Rena, you can point to chapters of friendships, people you were really close with and then you were less close with as different parts of your life unfolded. We need to remember that's true for us. That is true for our kids. It doesn't mean that kids are bad or mean or naughty or cruel. It's that these things evolve over time. The other place I've seen parents misstep or step in it is they're the ones who out the fact that there was a party that not everybody knew about. That in texting, they will sometimes be like, "Hey, are you all? You know, do you want to do a? Right. Do you want to exactly do like right. a, a a carpool over to you know? Yes, so and so's house. Yes, and the parents are like, wait, what? There's something going on. So again, like make no assumptions. I've even seen it break down where there was like a par- a big party earlier in the day, and then a subset of kids were invited for the sleepover, which again, like. That's okay. Like you don't, you can't have forty kids for a sleepover. Or you can't even have ten kids for a sleepover. Mm-hmm. And then parents have made the assumption. Parents going to the sleepover have made the assumption that everyone at the big party was part of the sleepover. So, right. Be very careful. Be very careful in your communications about who you think is invited to what, because you usually mm-hmm. don't have all the information. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to bring it back to this amazing fourteen-year-old who I think has amazing intuitive intelligence and. Uh, for having us all look at this issue in such a beautiful way, because I, I think whether you are 14 or 84, I think the issue of friend groups um, just can really be be tricky, and you don't want to hurt people's feelings. But to hear you say today, you might have to lean into that discomfort and, and sit in it for a little bit, and that might be the right thing to do. That was pretty pretty cool to hear. Yeah, I think it is. I mean, it's never simple. Mm-hmm. Never simple. Any final words for the 14-year-old, Lisa? You're awesome. Thank you, for write, thank you for writing to us. I hope more teenagers write to us with these fabulous, fabulous yeah. dilemmas. Um, I just have so much respect for how decent and kind and broad-minded teenagers so often are. And who do? 14 is the age to be, according to Lisa Demore. She loves that age. It's magic. Magic. It's magic. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you have for us, Lisa, for parenting to go? So a word I've used twice, and I, I think there's a reason for it, is perspective, right? That the nature of being an adolescent is that you don't always have a lot of perspective. Some of it is just that you don't have a lot of life experience, and some of it is that your neurology is designed for you to totally lose perspective and have emotions dominate. And so one of the things we can bring as adults is perspective, and a couple of ways to put that into action are to say things like, how are you going to feel about this in five years? Or if you were talking to a friend and giving them guidance, what would you say to them? Or, you know what, I went through something like this and it was lousy and here's how it unfolded. Any of those things that we can offer kids in these moments are huge gifts that are often very helpful and um, useful to them. I call this Lisa language. I mean, it's just (laughs) phrases that I can use in the moment that I would not have really thought this is the way to go about approaching this situation. So thank you, my friend. Thank you very, very much. And uh, next week, we're going to talk about mental health misinformation online. Sometimes we're all guilty of it, Googling things and thinking we know the answer and playing doctor. But we're going to break that up and uh, take a look at that as well. I'll see you next week. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to Ask Lisa at drlisademore.com. 
And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com records.